Let's talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. That's right. No more excuses. Get your lazy ass off the couch. Go start a podcast. There's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Once again, no more excuses. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Could it be easier? Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. They're paying us for this ad. Thank you very much, Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. This is The Dime, a 10-minute dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. (laughs) I'm stretching. No, I'm ready. Let's do this. (laughs) What's up, guys? This is the week of September 10th. This is The Dime. This week, we're speaking about edibles in Florida. Just one week after Florida's health officials signed off on guidelines for edible cannabis products, Trulia became the first in the state to begin selling cannabis edibles. The company sold gel caps, but officials said they will soon add brownies and cookies to the lineup. The availability of edible medical cannabis products come as the state's medical program near 400,000 patients. Industry experts believe that 50 to 60% of medical cannabis sales are currently smokable products, but smoking isn't for everyone, and the addition of products with different consumption methods, such as edibles, meet the needs of certain individuals. Kellen, what issues do you see come with introducing edibles into a medical market that previously haven't seen them? Um, I don't see any issues with it. I definitely see it as like something to boost sales minimum. It's just another product that people can consumed for medical purposes in in Florida, at least. Well, let's take one step back. Why didn't they allow edibles originally, in your opinion? It's easier to just regulate a smaller amount of SKUs, if that makes sense. So if it's just flour, just flour and some concentrates from an extraction standpoint, it lets the regulatory bodies kind of get their feet wet, lets them see the facilities, lets them kind of manage the small amount of licenses they gave out. Because Florida kind of took a really, really similar approach to cannabis as Colorado did. The mentality is it's a lot easier to regulate a small number of people, a small number of large companies than it is to regulate everyone under the sun, right? So like Washington, they said anyone that has money to buy a license can buy a license and just have at it, right? So they had like 2,500 companies with licenses all competing with each other versus Colorado, they gave out like 15. Florida, they gave out five, right? So the state, it, I think it has to do with the state and how they regulate industries just internally from a, m- a monopoly kind of standpoint, which is how Colorado is as, w- as well. And so I think that it all stems back to it's just easier to regulate less, right? And so they got comfortable. They kind of went through a couple of iterations of iterating flour, of regulating flour and vape pens and those kind of uh, products from a smokable standpoint. And now that they feel like they've probably ironed out the details associated with those products, they're now willing to bring in other products as additional uh, SKUs for the license holders. That's my guess. I have a question about that. So Florida is not the first market to, to introduce edibles. Why couldn't they do, like you said, lean off Colorado and essentially just take the same rules that Colorado has? I mean, that's a good question. I, I don't have a, a great answer for you. My guess would be that it's just Florida politics, right? Like there's a lot of shady things going on in Florida right now, right? Like, the only, the only the how those licenses were awarded was 
like deemed unconstitutional. They have to give out more licenses. Like there's a lot of weird stuff going on in Florida as far as like the regulatory aspect of cannabis goes right now. Next question. Do you think medical edibles differ at all from recreational edibles? I know they do. Can you expand? Yeah, so recreational edibles, at least in Colorado, California, Oregon, Nevada, and Washington, and all the other states that it's legal um, from a a recreational standpoint, is dosage, right? So you can't buy more than 100 milligrams, and every single unit within that package that you buy that contains 100 milligrams has to be divided into 10 milligram points, right? And so um, edibles are tough because they can cause – they it's not the same molecule that you're ingesting, right? So if you eat cannabis, THC, it goes through your liver and turns into 11 hydroxy delta nine tetrahydrin THC, right? Which is a different molecule, right? Because your liver processes it. That molecule has a higher binding affinity for your CB1 receptors in your brain, right? And so you're gonna get much higher by eating cannabis than you will by smoking cannabis, right? Because when you smoke it, the THC molecule is the one reacting with your brain versus when you eat it, it's 11 hydroxy THC, right? And so you're gonna have a much stronger reaction to an edible than you will from smoking it, which is where you heard all these horror stories of people eating edibles in Colorado and shooting their significant other or whatever the crazy thing is, is because it is a hallucinogen, right? Like, so people who maybe never consumed any cannabis before, they eat an edible and like next thing you know, they're literally tripping. Like they are on a hallucinogenic compound, right? And so that's the the biggest difference, um, which is why they regulate rec. Medical, there is no regulations, right? So you go out, you get your medical license. You're saying like, I'm an active cannabis user and you can then go buy 100 milligram gummies. So you can go buy a thousand milligrams at a time which you can't do in the rec market, right? So in the med market, every single edible is, at least in Colorado, I don't know exactly how Florida is going to regulate it or if those laws have come out yet, but in Colorado, like you can go buy like a five, 600 milligrams at a time, like not a problem in an edible, like in a chocolate bar, right? And it's because the mentality behind it is the medical user has built up a tolerance and they need the higher dose so that they can experience that high to alleviate the conditions that they're trying to alleviate from a medical purpose, right? And so sleeping and uh, chemotherapy, those things, like if you're on chemotherapy and you're using cannabis for hunger purposes and pain purposes, pain relief purposes, and you've been using it for six months, like you're going to want the highest dose possible because you're literally just trying to mitigate pain and hunger. So you're going to want to eat three, 400 milligrams because it's literally a medicine at that point, right? And that's what it takes to then be treated as medicine internally so i think that that right there is kind of a it's a long-winded <laughs> answer and in my opinion of what the, the true difference between medical and recreational cannabis is or from an edible standpoint i think that's really well said prediction time with the addition of new products such as the edibles in the florida market do you anticipate a spike or an increase in patient registration for example Consumers who have medicinal interest or medicinal needs that didn't want to consume cannabis via smoking are now more interested in the edibles. Do you believe that they will increase because of this move? There will be an increase. I don't know if there's going to be a significant increase in patients, right? Because I think that 
that is a serious obstacle for a lot of people mentally is being like, okay, I want to buy cannabis legally. I have to go get a medical license, which is not hard to get a medical license. If we're going to be honest, right? Like you're like, oh, I can't sleep. And the doctor's like, okay, you should smoke weed. Here you go. You know, like, <laughs> so it's not too challenging to get a medical license, but it still means that your name is going on a piece of paper and the government has it. And a lot of people are still like weirded out by all of that. So I, I definitely think that there'll be a significant increase in sales as well as a spike in patients, but I don't see it being anything crazy. I think it's probably like a, maybe a highest end, my guess would be a 5% spike. So if they have 400,000 patients, maybe another 20,000 people kind of go get their med card to sign up, right? Um, brings the number to 420, which is, would be pretty cool, right? <laughs> but um, I mean, do you think that there's going to be a significant spike? I mean, there should be, right, Brian? Like, it's a new product. People are going to be excited. Like, sales should go up. I think there'll be a spike. I don't think it'll be significant enough to be an outlier on a statistic chart, but it'll definitely be an increase. I think when you look at smoking, there's kind of this perceived uh, perception about it and all the, the negative habits. There's no getting around it, right? There's, there's negative association with smoking. And I think for that older grandma or, or that is in Florida alone that has pain or is just flat out angry, like my grandma used to be, giving her something a little mild to take the edge off might be good for her. And I think that that might be more an inclination for her to start versus like rolling up a joint, smoking a joint, which we all know that that never would have happened with at least my grandma. But I think giving her like a little edible and been like, Shh, just take this and stop it. Um, might be the way that we would go. Do you, uh, is that something that like you're speaking from experience or hypothetically? Hypothetically, if my grandma was still around, there's no doubt in my mind that that would be a conversation. We'd be like, just please enough with this. Like, just take this and like, should take a seat, please. Cause like, this is too much. Um, that's <laughs> luckily, I mean, we're not luckily, my grandma is not around to experience that, but she probably would have enjoyed maybe a more calming experience versus just being angry all the time for no reason. Probably. Maybe she liked to be angry. No, I think she definitely did, but the rest of us <laughs> didn't like that. <laughs> cool. Thanks everyone for their time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows? Maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.